Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for being here today. I have a very, very special guest, and I'm going to have to tell you uh, a story on myself in just a second. But first, I want you to know that Julia Goodfellow-Smith, who has been on the podcast before, is back to join us today. She says she's an ordinary person who is doing something extraordinary, which is living her bucket list. And all of her bucket list stuff is so extraordinary. When we last spoke a couple of years ago, she had she had solo hiked the England's 630 mile southwest coast path. Since then, she has cycled King Alfred's Way, a 217 mile cycle route in southern England, and she's walked the Camino de Santiago pilgrimage twice. <laughs> in between times, she has been busy writing about her adventures. She has a new book coming out that we're going to be talking about and hoping to inspire others to live their bucket list too. Hey there, Kelly here, and thank you so much for joining us today. I am honored to have you here. If you're looking for tips, habit shifts, and shortcuts to fitness consistency and the freedom that feeling great brings, you're in the right place. As the fitness consistency coach with a touch of adventure, I've been helping smart, Busy women embrace fitness and long-term freedom for over 20 years. I am so glad you're here. Julia, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me back, Kelly. It's really nice to see you again. And for everybody listening, I'm just going to have to tell you because this is one of Kelly's <laughs> things that she just did. <laughs> we just did the entire interview, but I never hit record. <laughs> so we're doing this again, just like it was the first time we've ever done it. <laughs> but you're going to get it like all, re- all refreshed and ready. So tell us a little bit. I think I'd like to just lead with you talk about living your bucket list, but even more so about adventures. So why are adventures so important, especially to women like us? I love going on a bit of an adventure. Sometimes it's not all fun. You have what I think of as type one and type two fun. There's actually type three fun as well, but I'll focus on type one and type two. Type one fun is the sort of fun you have on holiday. It's all fun. It's lovely. Type two fun is where might not be such great fun at the time, but afterwards you really appreciate what you've done. And that to me is what adventures are about. You've pushed yourself a little bit. You've taken yourself out of your comfort zone. You've gained confidence usually because you've done something new and different. And so, yes, having that little bit of adventure in your life is really important. It also gives you something, certainly for me, gives me something to look forward to when I'm mired in life and writing books. I love I love my job. I love writing. But the number of hours I spend sitting at my desk, it's really good to know that there's another adventure on the horizon that I'm going to be getting up and away from my desk for in a month or two or a week or two's time. Isn't that so true? It's like having that North Star out there. And yeah. And you know, when you have adventures, they aren't always like, perfect, perfect times, right? There's some adversity, but that's where those stories come from. And those are the things that you tend to remember too, isn't it? It's so interesting and, and, and not remembering, oh my gosh, that was so hard, but oh my gosh, maybe that was difficult and I did it. Or like, 
I don't know. I mean, I, what comes to mind is one of uh, the women that was on a trip. She was on a trip with us and her kid said to her, who are you? What do you think you're doing? I'm not sure if you should do this. This sounds really scary. What happened to our mother? (laughs) 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 And these are adult, adult children, right? But she had so much fun and it was an adventure, something to look forward to that she'd never done before. I think that's something to be really careful about, actually. People around you mm. can often, they, they often have your best interests at heart. They don't want you to get hurt. They don't want you to do scary things. And when I first when I first started solo walking and walked the Southwest Coast Path, I was terrified about the fact that I was going to be walking on my own as a woman. Because from the moment you're born almost people oh, gosh, right? are, are, are wrapping you up in cotton wool oh my dad'll my dad'll walk you home or <laughs> get a taxi it's not safe to walk and you you have this drummed into you all through your life and it, in actual fact sometimes you just have to challenge those 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 ideas about what is and isn't safe and sensible to do and just get out there and do it so when people do say that to you and you know, take take it that they're that they're being kind. They're not trying to hold you back, but sometimes you just need to disagree with them and say, "I'll take my chances." Right? That's so true, and it's almost like a maybe. You know, there's red flags. Maybe that's a green flag. It's like when someone says, "Oh, do you think that's a good idea?" You should be thinking, <laughs> "Yes, yeah, hey, yes." <laughs> if that sounds like a bad idea, I'm all in. <laughs> oh, so, um. We have so many things to talk about, and we've just had so many things we just talked about. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, I just want to share one thing. So last time you were on was a couple of years ago, and several of my uh, women who I work with one-on-one listened to the podcast, and they all commented on how much they got out of the podcast, your book, um, everything you shared, one of the women went on to say that she had created a vision board because she had in her mind that she wanted to do adventures, but she really, you know, it's kind of like this vague thing out here. So she created this adventure or this vision board. And in it, she said, I climb mountains, I think is what it was. I, I do mountains. And there's a picture of her stick figure on the top of a mountain. And it was so cool because that year she did one mountain with me and I think two others. Like, how fun, right? And this was because she read your book and listened to the podcast. So I'm saying that because A, I want you to know, and B, anyone listening, you want to listen to Julia because she she writes these books that touch your heart. So tell us about this. So you you did the Santiago, not once, but you did it twice. So can you tell us why you did it twice? Let's start with that question. <laughs> Okay, it's the, the the Camino de Santiago. For anybody that doesn't know, is a, is a series of pilgrimage routes across Europe that all end at Santiago de Compostela, which is a city in northwest Spain. Last summer, I had the opportunity to walk. Usually, when people say they've walked the Camino, they're talking about the French route, and I walked most of that last summer. The reason I did that is quite a long story. I won't tell you the whole thing, but it started off with a friend of mine, Hazel, who walked it maybe seven years ago when I first met her, and she disappeared for five weeks. Wow. <laughs> I'd, I'd never met anybody before who walked <laughs> for five weeks at a time. 
And I'd never met a woman before who would go off hiking on their own. And this really started cogs whirring in my brain about solo adventures. And that's one of the reasons that that I walked the Southwest Coast Path when I did. It also got cogs whirring in my brain about pilgrimage because she was buzzing when she came back. And I was I, I started wondering, well, I'm not a religious person, and nor's she. And I thought, well, how could a pilgrimage be anything different to just a long distance walk for people like me? So when I had an opportunity this summer to walk with her, to walk that route again, I just thought, yeah, I'd like to do that. I'd like to find out. So I walked it with a completely open mind to think about or to experience a pilgrimage and to find out whether it would be any different to for me than another long distance walk. So I did that in the summer. My husband was a little bit jealous. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and also, Mike and I have always had a 10-year plan. And it was in a bit of a state of disarray. We hadn't quite caught, got it up to date over the last couple of years. And we, we needed to really get ourselves and our plans re- realigned. So he suggested, or I suggested, depending on which person you believe, one of us suggested that we walk uh, part of the Camino together in December as well and revisit our 10-year plan. But the first time you did it was a bit of a pilgrimage. The second time you did it was to reconnect with your 10-year plan. So I would like to ask you, did you discover the spiritual part of the Camino? especially for a non-spiritual person, is what she said. I, I did, yes. I that, Let me tell you, first of all, that only about a third of people who walk the Camino walk it for purely religious reasons. Okay. The other two thirds mainly have some sort of uh, spiritual reason for walking, although not religious. And as I say, I walked with, with an open mind just to see what happened. There are lots of little cues along the way to, if, if you have got an open mind, to get you thinking about things. You'd see signs that said, turn your lead into gold. And people would make messages on the path. They'd make the word love out of stones, for example. And all sorts of little things like that. We went into a Donativo, which is like a, a little cafe where you make a donation rather than being charged a set amount for things. And leaning against one wall, there was a, a branch that was covered in shells. Now, most pilgrims who walk the Camino de Santiago put a scallop shell on their rucksack as they walk to identify them as pilgrims. And there was a sign on this tree that told pilgrims to, or suggested to pilgrims, that they might want to leave their shell there, along with anything that didn't serve them well in their life. And you see all of these little cues around you (laughs) that suggest that there's something more to the Camino than just a long distance walk, things that get you thinking. And then there are the pilgrims, you're walking with thousands of other people, you have hundreds of thousands of people walk the Camino every year. It's not as crowded as it sounds, actually. But you still have this steady stream of people all walking in the same direction to the same destination. And you walk with people for a while and you talk to them. 
And there's something special always about walking and talking. But on a pilgrimage route where people are often walking to process grief or or to work through an issue that they have, you often end up having these much deeper conversations than you would in everyday life with people. So there are all sorts of clues and cues along the way that, that make you think about things that you wouldn't normally think about. And then the 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 big cue is is the Iron Cross. So on the French route, there's a big Iron Cross about uh, two thirds or three quarters of the way across the route, and pilgrims carry a stone with them that represents a burden that they want to leave behind at the Iron Cross. So all of these things are, are happening in wow. your mind, and, and and yes, I really did feel like there was something different about the Camino. It, it is a spiritual route for me. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed that aspect of things. A couple of the people that I walked with said to me, no, it's just a long distance path for us. So it doesn't work for everybody. Right. Maybe they didn't want it to. Maybe they didn't walk with that intention, which is absolutely fine. Right. It's So it's different for everyone. It mm. sounds quite magical though. Yeah. It is. Yeah. There's something very special about the Camino. Yes. So two things one of them is that you also just did so so you are you are an excellent long distance walker like this is this is your thing and you also decided to do a bike ride this year um or i guess this year last year uh might even be the year before last time since we last spoke yes since we last spoke and it was a long it was a long ride so two things about that one of them talk about First, getting ready for these hikes, these walks, the bike ride, whatever. And then tell us a little bit about the the journey that happened with you on the bike. Okay, I will talk about both of those things. First of all, getting ready. For me, for, for hiking, for long distance walking, that's easy. I just set out from my front door and I walk. I, I like to train. I like to train with a pack on my back. So I'll start off by doing uh, walks that are a few miles long and build up normally to about 10 miles because I don't generally walk really long days when I'm doing long distance walking. I generally walk between 10 and 15 miles a day because after that, it starts to hurt more. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just, for me, that's enough in a day. So I tend to build up to being able to do two or three 10 mile walks on consecutive days and I build up the weight of my rucksack as well. So uh, before I walked the Camino this summer, I was practicing with a rucksack that was actually heavier than one than the one that I took with me, which meant that the walking was an absolute joy when I got there because <laughs> you know I was absolutely fit for it. It was fabulous. Nice. Going back to the bike ride, it was a slightly different situation. I had been uh, booked on a long distance walk a few weeks before I went on the bike ride. When I got back, I had six weeks in which to train. It's a 217-mile ride, as you said, and it's mainly off-road. My experience on a bike in the last 10 years has been maybe four or five outings. It's not something that I've been doing regularly. So I was starting from a fit. I, I was fit. I was walking fit, but I wasn't cycling fit, and I had six weeks to get to cycling fit. There is. Every different activity 
that, that there's always something different about it. Even the stamina, I think, somehow feels different. It does. Uh, for, for cycling, well, certainly between cycling and walking. With with cycling, you can't just slow down. Good point. <laughs> you fall over. <laughs> Just doesn't just doesn't work. Whereas with walking, you can carry on walking and slow your pace and and continue heading in the right direction. It just doesn't work on a bike. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, and, then, and then add to that the fact that you're off road, which I think always makes it harder. It's it's yes, a, it's, it's a it's a more arduous exercise than just sliding along on a on a road. I think it's more arduous. As you said, partly because the cycling is because the surface is loose and what have you, but also it's more technical. You have to concentrate more. Right. If you're on a if you're on a quiet road, I realise it might not be quite the same on a busy road, but on a quiet road, you can relax and you don't have to think too much about where your tyres are as long as you're on the road, and you can look around you and you can just in, in, enjoy it. Whereas off-road cycling, you're always looking for holes and stones to avoid, and it you know it is it is that much more mentally as well as physically arduous to to do it's true yeah to 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 train for it i took a a three-pronged approach first of all my friend alison who i was cycling with she's a, a super fit mountain biker and she said that something that really improved her cycling fitness was to go to spinning classes so I did that. I went to spinning classes. I hated it. The first oh, few classes oh. I went to, I just thought, <laughs> oh, my goodness, what am I you're, doing? You're tough. <laughs> <laughs> By the end of the training period, I was rather enjoying it. <laughs> wow. I've never and gotten I, to that point. <laughs> good. Well, some, uh, the last class I went to, I was feeling quite grotty when I when I walked up the hill. I, I, I walked up the hill to, to the class and I was just – I didn't really want to go and I was forcing myself along thinking you've got to do it Julia and the the teacher came in and she put some music on and it was 1980s music and I thought oh things are looking up <laughs> <laughs> because it was my era of music and and suddenly it was the end of the class and I'd almost wow. been singing along wow. as I went so I, I was I was fitter. It was good music, and somehow it just became enjoyable. Having said that, not enough for me to carry on going. <laughs> but anyway, I did I did that. So I so I trained on a static bike, at spinning classes, and on on a normal bike, I figured that there were two key skills or things that I needed to train for. One was the off road cycling up and down hills. So I did that on some local hills with gravelly surface, which is what it was likely to be like. But I wasn't fit enough to cycle for very long on those hills at a time. And I knew that I was going to have long cycling days. So I also did long distance or longer distance bike rides on the flat. We have canals here in the UK that have, uh, they're called tow paths that the horses used to tow boats along. All right. um, alongside all of our canals and you're allowed to cycle along them. So I would cycle along a canal. It's pretty easy cycling. Again, you don't have to concentrate technically too much. But it got my body used to sitting at the angle you sit at on a bike. And I found that at first I got shooting pains up my arms and across the back of my shoulders. And my friend Ali said to me, Julie, you need to relax. Sit more upright. Don't just slump over your bike and, and relax your arms a bit. And and these are the things that I, I learned, the practicalities of cycling and getting my body cycle fit before going on the uh, on the long trip 
That's great. Because, you know, if you think about it, even though you're already an athlete, when you switch your athletic venue or whatever you want to call it, it's different. Just like, right? Like, you know, when you're tight, when you're holding on tight to your bike, you know, those forearms get sore, everything gets sore. And it's, it, it comes back to something that you teach, which is how important it is to train. Like, so tell us, tell us a little bit, because I want to talk about your new book, but really quick, can you come back to your bucket list book and the pieces of it? Because that has been an eye opener for so many people who listen to my podcast. If you can just speak to that. And then I really want you to talk about your new book so that everybody knows what they need to read next. Lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Live Your Bucket List is a book that gives you simple steps to follow to, to do just that, live your bucket list dreams. A lot of the examples I use are from my own life living my bucket list and particularly from that solo hike on the southwest coast path. I had so many brilliant experiences that, that illustrate the points really well, so I used that. There are four milestones that you go through when living your bucket list. The first one is to ignite your dream, I've called it. It's about really understanding what you want to do. If you're having an adventure or you're pushing your comfort zone, things are going to get tough sometimes. So choosing the right bucket list dream, something that you're actually passionate about and you really want to achieve is a good start for actually achieving it. Because if it's something that you think you should want to do Ooh, and things get point. a bit tough, then you yeah. might not actually get over the finish line. The second milestone is all about planning. And that includes things like planning your training, not just what you're going to do, but how you're going to find the time to do it as well, because Good something point. else is probably going to need to, to give. So it's planning your route and learning from other, planning your route, planning your bucket list, whatever your dream is, and understanding what you need to get from where you are now to achieving it, whether that's time, money, training, anything else that's required. And there are, there are simple steps that you can follow to get through that planning process. The third milestone is all about implementing your dream. As I say, things are likely to go wrong at some point. I expect that the lady you work with who walks up mountains now had some tough moments. There would have been moments right. when she was thinking, my goodness, what on earth am I doing? And having some strategies in place to get over those hurdles, to deal with problems when they arrive is really important. And that's what the implementing your plan section of the book is about. And then the fourth section, which is really easy to forget, but I think is really important, is reflect and celebrate or celebrate and reflect, whichever way around you want to do it. You need to give yourself a pat on the back. If you've done something a little bit adventurous, if you've pushed your comfort zones a bit, then congratulate yourself. <laughs> celebrate your success a little bit. Don't just move straight on to the next thing, but Think about what you've achieved, what you've learned, how you've grown as a person, or how you've helped other people. Doing all of those things to, to reflect and, and celebrate your success, I think, rounds, rounds off the bucket list experience perfectly. And it helps I you to cons that. consolidate your memories yeah. as well. 
Yeah. And then, and then of course, you go back to the beginning. Start right? Well, yeah, start right <laughs> over and get the next list. Yeah. And, but coming back to your idea of consolidating and, and reflecting and celebrating, it's such a big deal because it's so easy to just go, yep, did it, off to the next, when, when you never come back to who you were before. Yes. Yeah. All right. And, so, and, and, and while you've been doing that adventure as well, while, while you've been pushing your boundaries and you've learned and, you, and you've developed, then if you think about that and, and you think about how you're going to apply it in your life going forwards, then as you say, you're never the same person, but you're more never the same person if you've spent that time thinking about what you've learned and, and how you're going to bring that into your life. You know, that is so true. I, I can think back to, um, one one particular moment in time, and I'm not going to tell the story because the story is silly as I'll get out. But the bottom line was, I was afraid of doing something, and then I thought, wait a second, you you just ran this river in Mexico that was big, and you dropped this, you went down a big waterfall, and you did all these things, and you're worried about this little thing over here. Suck it up, Cal. <laughs> right? Suck it up, Buttercup. If you can do that, you can do more. And and yeah, it really absolutely. it's a it's a it's a change. Like it just changes the way you look at things. Um so given that change, tell me this. Um the Santiago or the Camino de Santiago has come up so many times for me lately in conversations, which makes me wonder if you know, it's on my bucket list and I just don't know it yet. But it has <laughs> come up quite a few times lately. Your new book is all around your your trip, your travels, your your walk. Tell us about your book and what everybody has to look forward to in it. Thank you. The, the, the main body of the book is about my experience of walking the, uh, the Camino de Santiago about some of the challenges that, that I faced, the things that I learned, those spiritual moments, the questions, the just the, the whole experience. So if you have any thoughts about pilgrimage or long distance walking, what's it like to walk the Camino? How is it a pilgrimage rather than just a long distance walk? How does that all work? Then that section of the book is, is for you. Or even if you just like reading about adventures and thinking about uh, other other people and how you might apply some of the things that they've learned and done to your own life. So that's the main body of the book. And there's also a section, I've talked about live your bucket list already. There's a section in the book that's all about applying that process from live your bucket list to walking the Camino if you want to plan your own trip, which would work equally as well for other through hikes or long distance hikes. And that section uh, gives information it talks about stumbling blocks and overcoming stumbling blocks and how you might find the time and the money and gives some very practical advice about what accommodations like on the Camino and how much money you might need to take with you and things like that as, as well. So it's the, um, the, the stories from my experience, but also some very practical information. So the book will appeal to people who like that sort of adventure story side of things, and also to people who are planning to walk their own Camino, or even might be planning a little bit like you, who who might be thinking about <laughs> walking it, it don't quite know yet. 
<laughs> what's so cool about this book is that I've read, I, I've actually read probably three books about walking. Now that, now that you're talking about it, three books about walking the Camino, right? I have never seen somebody pull together the idea of doing it and the idea of how to do it. Like how to do it is, is a little bit of a mystery to a lot of people. So the fact that you put everything in there, in fact, there's somebody who's very dear and to me in my life, and he was going to do this, he and a friend. I think they went like three days and they were like, what, <laughs> what did we get into? <laughs> <laughs> they had no idea. And they had no idea about the accommodations. They had no idea about, you know, the food. And it just was, it was just outside of their knowledge. And the fact that you well, pull it all together in this book is so helpful. I'm, I'm going to hazard a guess that those people started, the, the French route starts just in France. And the first thing it does is go up and over the Pyrenees mountains. And the first two days are just uphill. Now, I didn't walk that section, but I know that for a lot of people, that is a really punishing start to the Camino. That's a tough start. And, and, and so I do include that information in my book and how to choose routes, uh, which is a section actually that was written by somebody who I met when I was walking, Sarah Duma, who has a YouTube channel where she talks a lot about the Camino. But she's walked, she spent the whole of last summer walking different Caminos. And so she's written a bit about how to choose the different routes and and thinking about things like where to start and which route might be best for you is really important so that you so that you're not put off by those first few days necessarily or at least you know they're going to be really difficult and things ease off after that right no it's true i've had several people say i didn't know it was that hilly i didn't yeah. expect that and yeah and you know that now that you're talking i'm just thinking yesterday i had a conversation with one of my clients and she's getting ready to bike the uh, coastal route of it. And so, yeah, I think it's something that people are, it, it, your book is here at a right time because people need to know this. So a couple of other things and before, because I would keep you here all day, which I already have tried to do. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. So tell us a little bit, you have a couple of gifts and for anybody listening, this will all be in the show notes, but at the same time, if you're just listening right now and you want to just jump off and grab it, tell them a little bit about what you have, because it's very nice. There is obviously the, the book will be available, Walking the Camino, by me, Julie Goodfellow-Smith. And uh, Kelly will put the links for that in, in the uh, show notes. What I've also done is produce a PDF that is just two sides of A4 called Planning Your Pilgrimage. And there are questions on there for you to answer and spaces for you to write your notes. If you're planning any pilgrimage or a long distance walk, just things that you might like to think about to help you go through those four different milestones. Now, that's a, a really short version, but it'll help you to get on your way. And that's going to be available from uh, my website and the links that Kelly's going to put in the show notes as well. Awesome. And, and if you're wondering, yes, the book, when the, we, are, we are recording this just slightly before the book comes out, the book will be out mid-April, right? So that's right, it will yeah. be out and ready for anybody listening. And we will have the uh, the contact information and everything in the show notes, but also they can find you all over social media and at your website also, which is 
Julia. That's right. Yes. I'll, I'll tell you in just right? a minute, if, if I may, okay. because there's something that I'd like to say about the books. Absolutely. All, Absolutely. Well, both of the Live Your Bucket List, Cycling King Alfred's Way and Walking the Camino. They're available in different formats. So oh, right. you can you can have paperbacks or an audio book and um, ebook, of course. So you can buy them in different formats. And for Walking the Camino, I'm also going to produce it in large print. So if oh, you're... Nice. If you have a sight impairment, then that's available for you too. So sorry about that. Just a slight no, 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 digression because, because I thought it's worth know, mentioning that it's when I take my glasses off at night and read, <laughs> my Kindle's on large print. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of finding me, my website is juliags.com. That's juliagolfsierra.com. Everything that you might want to know is on there. Um, there is a section uh, which is a, a forward slash Camino, which is about the walking the Camino book. Easy to find if you get onto the website. And then in terms of social media, I'm usually Julia GS author or Julia GS author speaker, as you can see in my name here. And I am Julia Goodfellow Smith on LinkedIn and on YouTube. Well, we are so honored to have you here. And I am so grateful that you're willing to, to re-record this. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you again for being here. It is so good to connect with you. And everybody listening, I can promise you, you will love, if you haven't read the first book, you're going to love it. And I cannot wait to get my hands on the second book because who knows, maybe, maybe I'll see you out there in the not too distant future. So I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Kelly. It's been a pleasure. Thank you again so much for listening today. I truly appreciate the opportunity to connect. If you're ready to incorporate fitness consistency into your life, I'd love to help. I have a special gift for you. If it's a struggle to stay consistent with your fitness and you're ready for all the energy, vitality, and feeling great you can have, go to my website, fitisfreedom.com. And on the homepage, you can get a free copy of my Consistency is Key Masterclass plus a fitness plan you can follow along with, guaranteed to get you started on your path to being fit and free forever. <music>